Let's rock. Hello, yes, Dan Eisen here. This is the master of Tiger style, Lee Moriarty, Dominic Carini. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe Sky. This is Nick fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the IWTV Guide Podcast. And welcome to another edition of IWTV Guide, your guide to what's on independentwrestling.tv. I'm Jared Jayhawk Hawkins, and joining me as always is the Chico to my crowd show, Charlie Butter. Oh, see, does it kill you to be nice to me every once in a while? Every once in a while, fine. We don't, we don't overdo it. Right. Well, we have a special people, guest today. People. I'm going <laughs> to cut you off because we got a special guest and I'm very excited. We have the boar with us today. Hey, guys, what's up? Definitely glad to have you here. I've been looking forward to the Neverkin Butter Kenny that he got you on here because it should be fun. I'm looking forward to talking about some independent wrestling, a show I happen to be on, and um, and all the all the good talks that's going to happen in between. The first time I ever got to see you live was at um, a show in Cleveland. I'm trying to think now. Um, Is that with UXWA? UXWA, that's what it was. Yes. Okay. My memory's terrible sometimes on the spot. (laughs) Um, But yes, I got to see you there. And uh, a lot lot of my friends were very excited to see you. I thought you you were great. Uh, The the people that were there with you were awesome. It was a good time. Um, And so I've obviously paid attention since then to what you've been up to. Um, You team quite a bit with um, Erica Lee now. Uh, How's that been? Uh, it's been like some of the most fun I've had wrestling. Um, we are like on the same wavelength with wrestling and um, just to like see her advancement and like her progress. Um, it's like one and like it makes me feel like really good. And I guess like, you know, a big brother sense. But then at the other time, it's like, oh, um, I can't look like crap here because like, <laughs> Erica's really good. And I got to make sure I'm holding up my end of the bargain as well. So uh, competitively. Uh, she keeps me on my toes as well, but it's been great. And I hope that we get some more tag team bookings because um, I'm going to just like ride her coattails to relevancy. <laughs> I think the the new mix of having um, intergender tag teams is like super cool. Like there's there's a couple that I really enjoy. Um, obviously, yours being one. And then like we have Derek and Ziggy and AIW and I love them. There's so much like their energy is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, uh, when me and Erica were talking about teaming up and and trying to do that some more, like we thought the thing that really stood out for us was the fact that like we're not a couple because a lot of intergender tag teams are just couples, and mm-hmm. I don't think that makes you an intergender tag team. No. Like that makes you a couple that wrestles. Right. But like looking at like Ziggy and Derek and um, the outfielders, and uh, I'm sure there are some other ones that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Like I'm glad to see the intergender tag team scene picking up because uh, I think as wrestling continues to evolve and look for attractions and look for ways to get people in look for things that stand out you know like cruiserweight wrestling for so long was an attraction well now 80 percent of a roster is cruiserweights and so every match you're seeing for the most part is cruiserweight wrestling and then it was like women's wrestling was the attraction well now women's wrestling is like we have companies that are founded off of women's wrestling and there's enough you know high quality women wrestlers to uh, populate a whole locker room and promotion. So like, that's not just a standalone attraction anymore. So like, as we find more ways to get different attractions, I think there's definitely meat on the bone there for intergender tag team wrestling. Uh, I really think there's something there. So hopefully we'll be at the forefront of that movement. Right, right on. Uh, Jayhawk, do you have any questions for him before we start jumping into everything? Uh, no, I really don't on it. I, I'm not as familiar with you as Butter as Butter again. I don't. I've never been able to get to the WWE show or anything like that. I know you're from Chikar and like Joe pretty much answered anything I have. <laughs> uh, oh, Uncle Joe. Um, I did ask some friends if they had any questions. Uh, the first one. Do we being, really want to ask some of these? Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, our friends are perverts, so there was definitely <laughs> okay. some perverted questions. Um. I guess the first oh, one, uh, the first one wasn't a perverted one. It was more of a hypothetical. So okay. because you're, you're, you're a wrestling, uh, pig, do you, if you eat bacon, is it considered cannibalism? Um, so I've thought about that. Um, you know, underneath the mask, I do enjoy bacon quite a bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would view it as cannibalism, uh, Although I probably should, but I guess I just <laughs> mentally block it out and try to explain it away. Because um, I, I don't know what the cut is, what uh, you know, what side of the family it's coming from, or anything like that. So right. 
I find it less barbaric. Okay, I'm gonna skip this other one because it's uh, it's pretty graphic. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. <laughs> I'll tell you off. Uh, the we, air. we we actually look, we actually this one off the air, but uh, our friend Reese did act. And we'll have you talk about it on the air here. Well, how are you feeling about the chief season so far? Uh, chief season. It's a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, this is also like the same chiefs that I know, like to have the talent and to have the ability and have the roster and not be able to like quite put it all together. But now I also have the confidence that like we do have the quarterback that's going to persevere through adversity. Uh, We do have some roster holes. I know our defense, um, you know, is always towards the bottom of the league. Um, As long as we make plays when they matter, I don't think the defense is that big of an issue, but Still, there's some improvement needed. And offensively, we probably need a better, you know, I'd love to see us get a like a, a good second running back behind uh, Edwards Alaire and definitely get a, a solid number two wide receiver with our offense. You know, teams can either double team Kelsey or Hill, and then the other one's going to eat all day. But we really need an actual number two wide receiver um, just because so far Hardman and Robinson aren't it. So. Those are the flaws, but overall, I feel pretty good. I I feel like we're going to be one of the last four teams standing at the end of the season, and uh, I would still be surprised if we aren't in the Super Bowl. Oh, I, I'm a Brown fan. I'm hoping for a rematch in the AFK Championship game, and I'm hoping we even the score with you guys. I'm, I'm hoping the Browns. I'm hoping the Browns make it too. I hope we see you guys because, as I talked about earlier, I don't think Baker Mayfield is that dude for you guys. And so, if we see you, we might as well. Um, you know, have our bags packed ready to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> but <laughs> I hope you guys, I hope you guys put together a really good season. And, uh, you know, if we, for some reason, were to get knocked out, then uh, I would like to see the Browns succeed because I do have a lot of friends that are Browns fans and it's been a long time coming for you guys. All right. And our final question from our friends uh, If you ha- could have three minutes to toss around any non wrestling personality a la Bonesaw in the first Spider Man, who would it be? Oh, wow. Um, oh man, who's that little dude? Uh, probably, you know, not to get too political here, but like Ben Shapiro. Oh. Um, <laughs> good choice. Good choice. All right. I'm yeah, with it. I would, uh, yeah. Yeah. Th- three minutes alone in a steel cage with Ben Shapiro would be, uh, do, do my soul a lot of good. <laughs> yeah. He had a very punchable fate. I definitely, yeah. I definitely agree with you there. Definitely. He could even have his one piece of wood that he got from Home Depot. <laughs> As his weapon, and I, I the still tiny think, plastic bag. Yeah, <laughs> I still think it would go in your favor. So, I, I'd be I like to be there to see that. That'd be good. Uh, All right. Um, let's see what else did I want right. to talk be- about before we get any before we go any further? I've got a question for you, Butter. What's that? Is Wheeler Yuta still the independent wrestling champion? He is not. IWTV untitled this past Friday. Alex Shelley becoming the new independent wrestling champion. I I like it. I'm actually a fan for a long time. I've got a good veteran guy to hold the belt and whoever ends up getting that neck kick a big win to get that belt back. I like it. He's a champion we can be proud of. Um, did you get to did you watch that uh, whole show? The only match I actually watched and I got home just in time for it was the uh Rip Kitty shooter from PME. How was that? Ooh, okay. It, it, the match was good. It needed, a, a, I'm not going to care, it needed an AIW crowd, but it needed a crowd that was more familiar with, with those guys. Okay. Because like two people in the crowd reacted to anything. Oh, okay. And like all four, all four guys were bleeding and, and hit each other with all kinds of stuff. And like nobody in the, in the live crowd cared. I felt so bad for those guys. Uh, all right. I'll have to check Ma- it out. Match, match was good. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I, I heard good things, but I just haven't watched it yet. Well, um, let's get into what's on IWTV this week, and then I want to talk about some add-ons with wrestling stuff after that. Sounds good to me. What's on IWTV? All right, so Tuesday, October 12th uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, we have New South Action Clash 57. And then Thursday, October 14th, we have Beyond Wrestling Uncharted Territory Season 3, Episode 2. Friday, October 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern, we have Paradigm Pro Day No. And at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, we have Paradigm Pro As the Rush Come. Saturday, October 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern, we have Limitless Euphoria. Uh, Sunday, October 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern, AWR Revolution 2. And that's what's on IWTV this week. 
The gender neutral monarch tournament is returning to adults with wrestling. And uh, we got to be selected to pick a champion to represent the show. And boy, this is your third time uh, being in the tournament. Uh, do you think you can win the whole thing this year? Uh, as long as Adam Van's uh, $100 broski fingers are uh, dipped into this pool, I don't think so. Uh, the deck has been stacked against me for a couple of years now. Uh, whether it's facing, uh, you know, Alexa Bliss with her millions of followers and uh, perhaps the vote getting signal boosted when I was winning and then uh, her army coming to uh, her rescue and having uh, the former Phil from Chicago announced in my corner, which may or may not have got me some votes. <laughs> and, um, you know, last year happened to go up against basically the entire city of Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> and then being thrown into a triple threat um which was unprecedented um i don't think uh i don't know it, i could but as long as vancy's back there behind the curtain i just i don't know i don't know if i expect some shenanigans or some tomfoolery going on but i would like to win it um so far it's been nothing but good things for the winners uh, my career could definitely use a win and all that comes with it so i guess we'll have to see what happens i gotta see who i'm facing in the first round well, I had some ideas originally, and uh, my my first pick was going to be Wes Barkley, and uh, but with his recent run of of bad luck, I decided to not use Wes Barkley. Um, but my pick will be announced uh, this Friday, and uh, I think we have a really good pick. Wouldn't you say, Jayhawk? Uh, I believe we do. Yeah. So I think we have a good chance of winning. Um, we'll see. I don't know. The, the, depends on. Uh, how everybody like who else is in this tournament because i'm curious i think this is going to be really fun and if we're going to keep doing this i feel like maybe next year i need some advance notice and we'll do our own tournament of who we should pick because <laughs> 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 i think that'd be really fun to, to kind of have our own little tournament of who should represent us so all right well uh we, we're going to talk about the show that you were on and uh that i really enjoyed watching so let's let's get into this review here the weekly review all right so we've got this week flying v fight the hardest part of the ring december 27 2019 from the black box theater in silver spring maryland airing live on independent wrestling.tv commentary at various points by jake and heat mark adam haggerty and break remberg i did like that they brought up on commentary that the hardest part of the ring is actually the ring post yes <laughs> I do have that in my notes for whichever match that was but i think it was i want to say it was towards the end maybe or the middle i'm not sure but yeah i thought that was that was good there was there they had a, a lot of really great lines actually uh on that show actually it was board match that they that they talked about did they was it was it yeah was that okay i was going to save it for your match for but i'll ask you now if it came up what do you consider the hardest part of the ring you can actually the ring poo to get the apron it could something else entirely uh any part that i land on is the hardest part of the ring uh <laughs> my reputation for not enjoying bumping uh i'd like to think is pretty well known so that's my opinion uh it is all equally hard and uncomfortable um yeah probably like right along the apron like sometimes guys will have a move where like they'll trip you and then like they'll try for like the eddie guerrero you know uh plancha over the top or whatever um or you know a slingshot elbow or something like that it's whatever is right before that that is usually way more painful than anybody realizes like right along the edge um like i guess the square part of the circle like the squared circle you've got so the square of the circle is the hardest part no thank you to anything that involves that <laughs> Okay, so the show opened up with a couple of announcements. Uh, first off, Gage Phillips is injured. He is out of the 10-man elimination tag later on in the night. So there are going to be two mystery partners, one on each side for that matchup. And then Jake and Heat uh, talked about how uh, Elo Neal has been acting a little strangely act of late. He missed the first show for a legitimate reason that he had not brought up before. But if he doesn't start behaving himself, he's going to reveal why he actually missed that first show. Uh, we got a mystery right at the top of the right at the top of the show here. Now, in the intro uh, video stuff, they were showing uh, Boar against O'Shea Edwards, uh, which looked like a uh, pretty hard hitting match. Definitely was. Um, 
I actually like that match a lot. Um, but yeah, it was hard hitting and it's one of those matches. I didn't realize how hard we went, um, until like I was driving home, <laughs> some of the pain started to set in. Um, cause after the match, I was like, I feel pretty good for, you know, being in the ring against another big boy. But, uh, yeah, that, that one definitely, definitely felt that for the next couple of days. Yeah. That, uh, burning hammer just did not look great when he, he dropped you. Ugh, that looked bad. Yeah, no, it didn't feel great either. <laughs> but, yeah. We do have Oshi. I was going to say, like, there's there's a really nice mix on here of, like, southern wrestling talent and, like, northeastern wrestling talent. Um, And that's, like, when I started looking over what was on the card after you mentioned this show to me, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of, like, really interesting matchups here that I, like, wouldn't think of happened. And, like, just, like, people from, like, New South and stuff and, and, like, all that, like, area uh, coming up and, like, mixing with, like, a lot of really interesting talent from the northeast and sucks that there hasn't been any more of these since like this show in 2019 because this is like a really interesting like concept of having these two like different worlds meet and have all this interesting stuff going on yeah like the thing i love about it is the locker room like you said um talent from all over the place you got the south you've got people coming in from the midwest you got people driving down from the north um and then you've got the at-home dmv talent so uh, it's a great combination of talent you wouldn't otherwise see interact anywhere else and you know hopefully i think when flying v returns on november 6 uh this year um i think you're going to see a you know the continuation of that that uh i guess flavorful locker room right on yeah i think the location being in maryland helped contribute to, to that a lot because a close drive from philadelphia for the northeast people not a bit not a huge drive in comparison to some other play for that southern talent not a huge drive for okay, somebody from somebody coming from like Ohio or Indiana. That you know, got a nice central location for all that talent. Yes, yeah, definitely. It's it's like you said, it's very centralized to pretty much anywhere you need to get from or get to. And it seems like they kind of piggybacked off of um, Uncharted as well with um, the talent being on one show and then kind of doing this like the next day or like two days later or whatever. Which that that makes sense for like a nice drive up that way and get up multiple shows out of it. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so J-Hope. Opening, now, now you can get us into the opening. <laughs> <laughs> and the, that opening match, O'Shea Edwards against Eric Royal. Looking a fun way to start the show. Uh, Jake and Heat on commentary, you the phrase on the tear in the first minute of the match, and if looking for the fact that Butter wasn't quite you can get at that point, I would blame him for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I caught it. Uh, it made me smile. So, yeah, But uh, to, to quote a friend of ours, they can basically two meaty men slapping meat. Oh, yes, most definitely. This is a hot fight. This is just fun. Uh, I, I talk about guys that seem deceptively agile on the show, and Eric Rowe is one of those. He busted out a flying head sneaker, and I'm like immediately popped. I was not expecting that. Right. Yeah, a lot of times us bigger athletes don't get the chance to really show off what we can do because, you know, moves require somebody you know uh able to to execute them on. So, you know, if Eric Royal tries a flying head scissors on, uh, you know, pick any other you know 20 people from the show their legs are going to break because, because he's so big and and they can't support him but uh you know that's a move that you can bust out on a, a big guy like o'shea edwards um so yeah like you said like you got to see a, uh, a varied move set from both of these men and eric Roy is not going to do a flying head on a cabana man dan like it's just not going to look good yeah i don't know i, I kind of want to pay to see that <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to kill Cabana Man Dan. He's a friend of the show. I like Cabana Man Dan. <laughs> I think everybody loves Cabana Man Dan. Universally loved. Yes. Yeah, so fairly short match, all things considered here. Uh, Royal Brit put the strap down, but he actually gets caught with a power slam. Very rare that you see the strap going down and it not be- leading to a he- something huge. And then we get Edward getting the burning hammer for the win. Kick minute in two seconds. The ring announcer announced the time for the fall, which made my job a lot easier tonight. I, I appreciate that. I wish more companies did that, actually. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't want to know the time of the fall. But. Yeah, I like that they kept a lot of the matches relatively short. Nothing was, like, super-duper long that felt like it, other than, like, the Elimination 10-man, but it kind of had to be. Um, like, some of the matches were, like, 20 minutes long, but, like, they had multiple people except for the main event. So it wasn't terrible. Um, a lot of these other matches, like, you know, I don't think there was anything over 10 minutes uh singles match wise on this card so yeah that was something i definitely enjoy um whether like i'm on the show or watching the show um you know shorter match times i think wrestling works better that way um 
especially independent wrestling where you can kind of see the hits, uh, as we like to say, and you can see what everybody can do. Um, you kind of get like a best of, especially since a lot of people are checking out a promotion for the first or second time. Um, so like you get to show them what you can do best, um, in a concentrated amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I, I love long magic in the right context, but I, I've seen, I've been, I've been to ring of honor show where like nobody wanted to go under 15 minutes. And it's like mm-hmm. somebody in the back needs to tell people, Hey, no one wants to be here for seven hours. Somebody go four minutes. Yep. Uh, Bor, where do you fall on, um, like, uh, show length? What, what's your, like your, the best show length for you? Like if you're watching wrestling, what's. You know, is it two hours, one hour? Where, where do you feel is like that that sweet spot that you don't get bored? Um, I think it really depends on like this isn't a, a cop out answer, but I really do think it depends on overall, like just the quality um, of what's being watched. Like, I think Raw could really pull off an entertaining three hours if they used everybody and had storylines for everybody. Um, that's not always the case. Uh, likewise, two hours of wrestling when raw was two hours, sometimes it felt really long because it wasn't that entertaining for the the full two hours. Now we see a company like AEW, uh, they have a hot product. Like, I don't think that's controversial to say at all. Um, you know, at the end of their two hours, I want another 30 minutes. So I, I do think it varies, but I think for, as far as watching wrestling, like a two hour program for me is the sweet spot. I think that gives enough time to have all the mat, all the matches that have been built to, Plus, also build to things next week without anything feeling rushed or forgotten, um, and a, a good amount of time for like promos and uh, you know vignettes and stuff like that. So I think two hours is the sweet spot for like TV wrestling. Right on. But for independent show, uh, if I'm if I were to attend an independent show, I think somewhere between like that two hour mark, including an intermission, is right around uh, the sweet spot maybe less but i'm also old so i don't know <laughs> we usually uh we're from northeast ohio so like when we go to aiw usually they start at 7 30 uh we get like a three hour show out of them we're usually done mm-hmm. by like 10 30 so like that doesn't feel super long uh in the in the moment like i i think the big thing is like the intermission is usually super short because like especially if they're mm-hmm. on iwtv um but like I think that's really uh, for a live show in person. I think that's usually pretty sweet. Like you get eight matches usually out of it. Uh, I've been to other ones that are a little bit shorter and that's fine too. Um, but I think anything over like a three hour mark is just torture. Uh, I've been to shows that were like eight, nine hours. Like it was, it was really bad. <laughs> yeah. I think if, um, if the world wrestling entertainment and even AEW struggle to put on like a hundred, like a batting 1000, three or four hour pay-per-view then i don't think an independent promotion has better chances <laughs> so <laughs> i think it's better if you could keep your time uh under a uh under a three-hour window for independent wrestling yeah even even being in a bit like a referee I, i've done for the cauliflower alley show they've done a good job over the last couple of years of trying to keep those shows kind of streamlined I was on one of those shows that was like five and a half hours long they had like 15 magic it's like you know not everybody that flew in for cauliflower alley has to be on the fucking card as long as everybody gets paid, I guess. Yeah. We do get a little bit of a post-match angle to cut up something later on. Edward can come to Mike, tell Royal, hey, you've had a couple of good efforts the last couple of days, but you've lost. You used to be great, but what happened? Kind of like they kind of let that simmer a little bit. And then we go to our next matchup, the lady girl in action, Brittany Blake against Erica Lee. I like this one. This is another this is a real short match. It's four minutes and 13 seconds, but it is a sprint. Uh, I, I don't know why I popped for it, but Erica Lee broke the weight lock with a, with, by doing the Macarena, and I popped. I don't know why I popped for that so hard. <laughs> because you grew up during the 90s, man. Let's, let's face it. That was, that's what it was. That's probably, that probably, that was the, I'm, got, I'm aging myself here. That was the big dance craig for my senior prom. So you're probably right. That's probably, probably it. It's the one well, dance I could do. It's like there's no effort to it. So she is that 90s chick, so she's yeah. got the character worked down. I don't know. She likes to be a cop a lot more nowadays, and I, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't want to have any run-ins with Officer Erica Lee Miller. I love the finish for this one, too. Lee countered a tornado DDT right into a small package. Like, that doesn't sound possible, and yet I thought. Yeah, dude, it's like I was telling you, she's she's impressive, man. She The first time I saw her was on the Camp Leapfrog show last year, and, like, right out the gate, like, her match was really good, and I really, like, I was really impressed by her match, so I was like, I gotta start watching her, and, uh, 
like it wasn't long after that she really blew up and, and was like starting to be everywhere so yeah i i would really be surprised if she's not on um major tv in the next year or so um i think every day that goes by with a promotion not signing her they are missing out on on money because she's charismatic she's got a great connection a great natural connection with people and uh you know her in-ring work is uh already good and it's getting better with each match that she has as evident here like like you said that finish that she busted out was um really like eye-popping oh from there our next matchup cabana man dan against hella wicked uh, they book, they build this and being 13 years in the making, they were supposed to have this match in 2006 and Cabana Mandan got hurt, couldn't have the match. And it took this long to get it scheduled again. I, I, I kind of like that. I like that story attached to it. They have, you know, 13 years in a long time to be waiting for a match you were looking forward to. So, uh, can I just say though, I think Bryce Rimberg is the best commentator on this show. <laughs> And that's not a knock on the other two guys at all. Like, I thought commentary was fine all night, but Bryce is fucking fantastic. Like, if Bryce ever kind of keeps on refereeing, I would honestly have him replace somebody in one of those AEW booths. Yeah, Bryce is one of those guys who has so many hats uh, on his hat shelf that he can wear, uh, and he could make, you know, a very nice living for himself with any hat that he decides to wear. Like, Bryce is, is very good all around um, in wrestling with, everything else that involves wrestling, whether it's refereeing, commentating, uh, running a show backstage. Uh, you know, he has a great mind as far as stories and characters and stuff like that. Like he, he's fantastic. So uh, not a surprise that, that Bryce really stood out on commentary. And I know Bryce has done improv before as well. And I know that and that's got to help him as well when he's doing commentary, doing some of those other things as well. He quick, he, he quick on his feet. Yeah. Okay. I, I love the fact here. They, uh, they teach the flip-flop shop several times in the match. Break it legal because the flip-flop is part of Cabana Man, Cabana Man Dan Katire. Fantastic. <laughs> and I mean, I, I would go to the impression that rule was he had to be, you had to be wearing it at the time, but, you know, Flying V might have different rules. I'm not going to knock it. I guess it's like the uh, old demolition spikes. It's legal because it's part of their gear. <laughs> right. I, <laughs> they came to the ring with it. Yeah, but I, this, one's a lot, this one's a lot of, again, not a very long match. Eight minutes and 24 seconds. Lots of near falls. I th- there had to be 15 or 20 near falls in the, in the eight and a half minutes. Like, these guys were just trying to win the match, which I realistically, if, if you're treating pro wrestling like it's a legitimate sport, that should be the goal, trying to win. Yeah. Uh, we talked about shorter match times in this one again. Uh, like you said, eight minutes. Like, these two could very easily go out there and have uh, 20 minutes to tell their story and fill every every minute of it. Um, but like, like you pointed out, eight minutes really allows for the talent to go out there and and empty the gas tank as fast as possible and just put the pedal to the metal and, and go. Hollow Wicked's a guy that we haven't really seen in Ohio too much. And I'd really like to see him uh, around here more often. I, I somebody I'd like to see live. Uh, he's been around for like, I feel like ever. And uh, just, I don't know. I think he's been out here probably once or twice, but I just, I wasn't watching wrestling at the time. And uh, I'd like to see him out here now. Like I like to see Cabana man Dan back too, but I know he's got a, a much longer drive, so I'm sure eventually it'll happen. But yeah, yeah I actually called Hollow Wicked once around 2010, uh, not too far from not actually. I could have walked walked uh, to that building for my work at the Eastwood Expo Center in Niles. Uh, he was, they brought some of the Chikara guy in for a PWO show, and they would they had him, Jig Call, Shima Guy, and Fakad in the four way. Okay, yeah, so that was, and that was, I remember that being a really good match too. So. I think that's the only time I've seen him live to to, you know, to uh, kind of piggyback on your point there. He's not out this way that often. Hopefully somebody sends a check uh, to the residents of Snake Mother and it gets into the hands of Hollow Wicked uh, to get him out to Ohio. Because uh, people say that, oh, this guy's the best or this guy's good. Hollow Wicked is the best. Uh, he is absolutely the best that I've been in the ring with. And he's the best that I've seen. Uh, anybody else but in the ring with as far as i'm concerned uh so hopefully he makes it out to ohio and many more places because he is the best don't let every good hear you say that uh, you know every good um I, I don't know if he disagree with me all that much uh, you know he might selfishly say himself but uh it is accepted and known that that hollow wicked is the man all glory thank thank you for playing along with my little car bit of car cackle there <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so after this match, Elo Neal comes out. It sounds like he's going to apologize to everybody for how he's been acting lately. Uh, the, the, the grimy Scots come out. They uh, 
commentary said that they were a guy who helped train Eli O'Neill when he got started. Uh, they want to get the apology. They're kind of arguing back and forth about how they should treat him. One's like yelling and screaming at him. The other one's like, no, that's all right. Just talk to him calmly. And then O'Neill decides to attack them instead. And then the locker room pretty much empties out. We get kind of a pre-intermission preview of the elimination match coming up later on. At, at certain purpose, you're establishing the role that Eli O'Neill has right now. Building some stuff up for later in the night and possibly for future shows. And then what kind of real long statement, four or five minutes, maybe. So note to WWE creative, you don't have to have 20 minute freaking interview segment. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this because with an independent promotion, it's really hard to count on everybody watching Twitter or YouTube to like stay up with storylines and developments. And so I, th- I thought this was a good use of time, especially since all the match times have, have been on the shorter end. So go out there and throw out a segment that everybody in the building can see and understand the context of why it's important and the developments that are going to come from that later on in the evening. And it set the table nicely for uh, the big multi-person match, like you said. Any thoughts, Butter? No, man. It's, it's like you said, you know, kind of set up uh, stuff for later and uh, did its job. It was perfect. Okay, we then get a uh, pre-taped promo from Bobby Shield. Uh, basically, Kane, he, that, now that he's a veteran, he wants to show the guy the right way to do things, but too many guys prefer to get liked and retweet, so it's hard to get them to listen. Uh, typical veteran conversation there. I hear, hear that in a lot of locker rooms. I am what would be called an old now, so <laughs> <laughs> I am inclined to agree with Bobby Shields here. He's got a point. Okay, and then we go to our four-way tag team match. Got team of Call the Earth, Matt McCalkey and Trevor Huckabee. Again, pretty proper, Lady Front and Victor Benjamin, the bird and the bee of Colo Darling and Willow Nightingale, and the ugly duckling, Liam Flute and Rob Kiljoy with Coach Mikey in their corner. Uh, out of the eight people, that ugly duckling kind of team I'm least familiar with. I'm a fan of everybody else in the match. So. Yeah, I've seen them a few times, and they impress every time. Rob Kiljoy is really, really good, and uh, I, I, this match was a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun with this match. Yeah, and it's just kind of crazy seeing, like, the development since the show, which was in 2019, like, to see where all the all the talent has ended up. And, you know, you got Mikowski now in, in Ring of Honor, just made his debut. And uh, Travis is getting bigger matches on the independent uh, circuit. And Willow is an MLW in Ring of Honor. And uh, I think she'll be, you know, putting pen to paper pretty soon, if I had to bet on it, for any company that's lucky enough to have her signed exclusively. Uh, and you can go on and on, you know, the ducks, especially, uh, you know, with, uh, Lance Lude fighting cancer and, you know, best of wishes to him. Uh, if Rob has really, uh, spread his, spread his wings, uh, to fly solo. Uh, and he's really put on a bunch of, uh, good singles matches down South and all around. He's a guy who makes a lot of town. So, uh, yeah, it, was, it was just cool to see everybody. Um, and just see the development. You can definitely see in this matchup here the Shakara influence, but there's a bunch of stuff right out of the Shakara playbook. Uh, Lucha rolls, which means tag are not necessary. Gonna both feet hit the floor, somebody else can come in in their play. Yes. Uh, Killjoy and Huckabee utilize referee Chris Levin for a variation of the ref catching the leg spot, where they swing the foot leg over and the referee catching it and then do something, and end up having to do it like twice before they actually got to the move. Nice little variation on that. Now, then there's a spot where uh, everybody free and just and Benjamin and Frost are the only one able to move. Like, they can definitely write out a Shakar playbook with this spot. Yeah, classic Shakar. You see some of the long lasting Shakar influence with allowing some of the, uh, I guess, what some might say silliness, uh, character work incorporated into matches. Uh, this was good stuff. I could hear a guy in a Louisville, Kentucky going, God damn it. With his polyester uh, suit jacket and uh, mismatching colors because that's super serious. I mean, I'll, I'll believe in anything with this because I'm pretty sure I remember seeing a whole segment of a match where Jushin Liger uh, was getting a thumb up his butt in PWG. So, yeah. I mean, if Liger is willing to play around and do fun stuff like that, then uh, I think everybody has a, has a right to do that because... Uh, Liger's one of the best of all time, and if he if he does it, then you know I think it's okay. Right on. Yeah, we we can it all the time. Like you don't have to like everything you see. You'll find something you like if you look hard enough. That uh, again, break again, brilliant on commentary here. Repeat 
uh, bringing up that it is a smaller ring of 16 by 16, which means you're going to get more rope break. It's going to be harder to do really big moves. It's going to be easier for guys to break up pins. Uh, again, break is fantastic. Yeah, that was an excellent point. I think something that gets neglected uh, in the independence. Sometimes you don't know what ring you're going to be getting into until you get there in the building uh, that day. And sometimes it's 16 by 16. Sometimes it's 14. Some by, sometimes it's 18. Uh, if you're lucky enough, uh, sometimes it's a pony ring, which I think this one kind of was rings that are set lower to the ground. Um, if I remember right, I can't remember. Uh, but, and sometimes you have your standard, uh, standard size ring as far as the elevation from the ground. So yeah, great point by Bryce. Have you, you ever, ever have to work in a, uh, thick knighted ring? I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> uh, no, I have not. Uh, yes, I have seen that there is a place in Indiana, uh, that has a six sided ring. I would like to be on one of those shows. Um, just so I could effectively use all six sides for pounds, uh, slash spear. Yes. Um, and that's really the only thing I want to do is light somebody up. And other than that, I will take the payday and go home. I did actually referee one show in a kick-sided ring, and it's definitely something that takes from getting used to if you've never done it. Mm. And I was just like a referee. I can't imagine guys that, have, that are wrestling and have never worked in, a, in that ring trying to trying to utilize it. Yeah, because it's because everything's tighter because of the uh, you know the extra dimensions. So uh, the canvas is a little bit more snug, and the ropes are a little bit more snug. So yeah, I could see that. Right, great spot to uh, put over the lucha roll here. Killjoy actually tagged himself in by tagging Willow Nightingale, but Victor Vengeron rolled to the floor at that point. So Willow's still legal. Fantastic. And the ugly duck can get the win. They utilize each other like a launch pad onto four people and pin Benjamin 20 minutes and five seconds for this. Maybe a little bit on a long, that's the one match on the show. I would say probably was a little too long for what it was, but it was fun. Like I'm not complaining about it. Yeah. I feel yeah, like I'll agree with that. I definitely feel like, um, in this match, like they're like the, with the rules and everything, like I think having those type of lucha rules really adds another layer to fun stuff you can do. Uh, like you said, like there, there's just so like just sliding out of the ring, like all of a sudden that person is still legal. So like there's a lot of like really cool things you can do with that. If you're, you know, if you're smart enough to play around with it. Uh, that makes you know, the story you're telling really interesting. And I think that. I think that's one of my favorite things that I really picked up on from Chikara was that in tag matches, uh, having that ability because there's so many different like ways you can tell that story and do different things with that. It just, it's really unique to me and like something I haven't paid a ton of attention to. And now that it's like a thing in my mind, like I think about it all the time and like different stuff you could do. And, and I will call any match that involves the ducks that comes in under 20 minutes. <laughs> we'll call that a success. Uh, the ducks are a tag team that like to take their time. They like to uh, get their moves in. Uh, they've got a lot of great moves that they do as a team and as a singles competitors. Um, and they come to work. Like they always, they always bring their work in boots and they're ready to put in some time and work hard. Do they call it duckling time when they go out there? Like, Oh, they probably should if they don't. <laughs> well, I asked that is I love the guy that's asked. We got a guy who works out here at the bouncer. And there's no point in telling him how long his match is and he's going as long as he wants to go. <laughs> and I usually end up being the guy refereeing his matches. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I love you, but can we go like 15 tonight instead of 25? It's late in the night. I want to go home. I'm tired. Yeah. Some, some people think they get paid by the hour. That's a, that's a prerogative. Yeah, but we do call, we call it bouncer time. Because we're like, hey, we're, we're going a while. <laughs> right. After the match, we uh, they try to cut the intermission, but O'Shea Edwards and Eric Royal come out. They allow out the ugly duckling and Coach Mikey. So Eric Royal taking O'Shea Edwards' comment earlier in the evening to heart and actually teaming up with O'Shea Edwards. You know, I'm really disappointed that the pandemic shut down the, the March show and they haven't been able to run. Since I, that right there got me hooked. Like, I really want to see the tag team. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, good storylines that we're cooking, and this is one of them. Um, I think these guys really could have uh, carved out a path for themselves as a tag team act. Um, they're both doing great now uh, where they're at. But, um, yeah, at least for here, there was, there was a lot left uh, that didn't make it through the pandemic, unfortunately. But I thought this was this was a good way to play off of what, what uh, everybody saw earlier. When we come back from the intermission, and it's Alexander James, he had our guest, the board. Uh, so I'm going to kind of defer to you for this one, Borb. It's not a, not a very long match. It's good while it lasts. It's about it's seven minutes and 56 seconds. 
Uh, first off, your thoughts on Alexander James. On, on paper, this doesn't look like a stylistic good matchup. You guys did end up working well together here. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I was definitely concerned. I think I'd worked him one other time. So, like, we were able to work some of the kinks out. Uh, being that it was our second time in a ring together. Uh, he is really good. Uh, he He is really, like... He's like he's on the path to mastering his craft. Like he is, he's very good. Um, he's very informed about all styles of wrestling. Uh, he has an excellent mind for the business, uh, and I, I'm I'm sure it is only uh, soaked up more knowledge since the last time I saw him. Um, and this was also like I, I you know kind of liked <laughs> kind of liked this matchup because I was like oh look at this two uh two TV sized wrestlers he he was pretty big here uh, I think he was uh, right over like two fifty and I think I was two seventy for this match so this was this was another matchup of uh, two big boys going at it two TV sized wrestlers Cage match Bill's gonna six one two twenty nine for what it's worth I, he does look bigger than two twenty nine in this match at least. But. Yeah, I remember. I remember uh, we got there that day, and um, he had put on a decent amount of size since the last time I had seen him, which was probably earlier in the year. Uh, he was working really hard. Um, so yeah, we were both we were both well above two fifty at this point. And the six one, it might be that might be. Uh, I I would bet he's probably six two. Like I wouldn't doubt him being six two at all. But six uh, one might be selling him an inch or too short. He's he's a big dude. Yeah, he looked uh, comparable in size to you, and and going back and forth with you. He, you guys both kind of went back and forth with it, and I was like, okay, I was like, all right, this is uh, another one of those big meaty men slapping meat kind of matches, and it's good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, a little bit different because uh, Alexander James is such an accomplished technical wrestler, and uh, that is not my strong suit of well as uh, at all. Um, even though I've, I was trained in it and, you know, I, I'm okay. Uh, it's not my preferred style. So I felt like we had a different match from uh, the previous big boy match earlier. So thank you. And you did some technical wrestling the first part of the match. You held your own. So you, I, I, I must have blocked it out. Cause uh, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't remembered it until going back and, and watching it. And it kind of on, on paper, it just looked like a style clash, but it came off really well. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it came off well. That's, you know, what we're going for. Because I like when wrestlers have different styles. And I think this is might have been even a conversation that me and Alexander James had that day. Um, I think as wrestlers tend to get smaller and the emphasis is more on athleticism. Uh, and this current generation of guys comes up on that Ring of Honor uh, from the mid-2000s. It featured a lot of hybrid athletes and same thing for TNA at the time and, uh, and new Japan and stuff like that. The emphasis was on like these all around, uh, wrestlers, guys that could work any style and do a little bit of everything. But like when everybody does that style, it's no longer unique. It becomes the norm. So the fact that I have my own powerhouse house style, the fact that Alexander James had his own technical wrestling style, I thought that made for like a very good styles clash and brought something different to the show. Now, from there, we have our elimination 10-man tag team match. The head of the class, Alan Clayball, Eel O'Neill, Killian McMurphy, and Logan Easton LaRue, and their mystery partner, Icarus, taking on Joey Abanya, Tim Daunt, Roe Keller, Ikea Frazier, and their mystery partner, Anthony Green. They're that kind of eclectic mix of names in this match. Yeah. Uh, Tim Daunt is doing a safety first gimmick, dressed like a construction worker. Uh, what's weirder, Daunt like a safety-conscious wrestler or Daunt being a baby face with it? <laughs> I don't know, but I kind of want to see Dawn's dress like that at AIW now. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I, and you would think, Joe, just with that gimmick, he'd be a heel with that gimmick in AIW. Oh, safety police, what the fuck? But right, yeah, that might have been something he was doing at uh, the defunct Nova Pro, and there was some some fan crossover from that promotion with this promotion. So uh, I think that's why he might have went with the safety first uh, gimmick that he does. And yeah, babyface dances. <laughs> it, it takes some getting used to, but uh, I thought he did well. So there's a discussion on commentary about how people are wrong to think that Gubak and a palindrome. And who the hell ever said Gubak and a palindrome? Like, I never heard that like a conversation point until they spent like a minute and a half talking about it. Nobody had any opinions on that. I shouldn't have mentioned it. Okay, cool. 
I was laying out. I didn't want to dominate the conversation. <laughs> I think the the line of the the match for me was it was mentioned that like Logan Easton Larue wouldn't be a fan of uh, was it like socialized medicine because he's like the top one percent. Uh, it got a pop out of me. Oh, that, was, that was pretty funny. Like there's 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 a lot of clever lines on commentary. Like they did such a great job. Like I like the presentation. I liked the place that they were at, the ring, everything. I really, I really that kind of stuff matters to me. And like I, I thought this was just excellent all the way around. The entrance, everything was was great. Um this show was so much fun. So like if I'm not having fun, I'll zone out and really not pay attention. Uh, Jayhawk knows this for a fact. I'll take naps. And then when we discuss the show, I'm like, yeah, I was sleeping during this. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not afraid to, you know, if your show puts me to sleep, it puts me to sleep. I'm, I'm not going to deny it. But this kept me entertained the entire time. So yeah, I've lost track of how many times I've had to go to the doctor with my back hurting from carrying butter. Oh, that's not true. Come on now. <laughs> handful maybe a handful and that's that's why i started getting you guests so you didn't have to carry the whole load okay <laughs> yeah, getting into the match itself here though uh ibanyan can o'neill have a rivalry going ibanyan wants to start against o'neill o'neill doesn't want to get in there with them so ibanyan can actually just bring him to the ring like okay we're we're starting uh as usual in the type of matches guys are pairing off early so it yeah a lot yeah so basically before anything major happens everybody's been in the ring at least once with somebody uh, there's a spot where Anthony Green stomps on Icarus's foot, and Icarus is selling it by hopping on one foot. So Green's like dancing on his one foot and, and, and responds to it, having fun with it. Uh, Green also dances with referee Chris Levin and gives him a kiss. Munchfield got jealous for some reason. And then we start getting into the pins. Now, once we start getting into the pins, it's got a lot of rapid fire pins in this match. It was, it was like 10 minutes of no eliminations, and everybody gets eliminated within the next 10. I, I wish they, the elimination would have paced a little bit better. Well, but uh, I don't even want to say better, but differently. I mean, it gets hard to follow when it's like three eliminations, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, sometimes just when you're in there and, you know, the first elimination happens, it's kind of a um, like a domino effect. Like get on a roll with the eliminations. They just kind of they just kind of start happening. Watching matches like this, do you have a preference? Do you would you prefer like if the eliminations like were spread out more? Do you like them like this where it's like, you know, you go solid 10 minutes and then things start happening or uh, what's your preference on that watching as a fan? Uh, I do like if there's an elimination sprinkled in in the first half of the matchup so that they're not all piled on in the back half of the matchup. But um, as long as it's exciting and it's good, then I don't mind if it's a little bit formulaic and kind of happens one after another. Bam, bam, bam. Again, that's kind of the Shakar influence leaking in of... Okay, excitement, 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 um, and not really wanting to stop that domino from falling. Do you have a um, Survivor Series team that you would like to use if you had to go into a match like this? Oh, uh, active people? Yeah, uh, any you know people you work with now. Like if you had to pick a team, anybody from the Indies to go up another team okay. against the Indies, who, who would you want on your team? All right, five on five. I'm already taking up a spot, so I would definitely have to have my partner in crime, Erica Lee, with okay. me. So that's four. Um, I would take Logan Easton Lareau. Okay. Um, he's so good. He's so ridiculously good. Um, again, I think he's somebody that's going to be popping up uh, on TVs in the next year or so. His time is calm, and, and he's really good. Uh, so that's three. And I feel like I feel like it's always good to have another tag team. Uh, uh, I would actually like Eric Royal. Uh, Eric Royal is really good, and hmm, uh, I would actually love to have Eli O'Neill okay. fill out the team. So we've got uh, we've got a technical wrestler or two. Uh, we've got some power. Um, you know, we've got charisma and power with Erica. So I feel like we're a pretty well balanced team. Yeah. Team. That's not going to bump. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, we get the first four eliminations in about a three and a half minute stretch here. Uh, neat little spot. O'Neill and the are fighting out on the floor. Uh, O'Neill holds a commission hold until about the eight and a half count, break the hold and run going to beat the count. Love it. Fantastic. Fourth got to go out after you and four can be accounted out. Love that. Fantastic. Uh, there uh, At the point, Bro Keller is trapped in the ring at, at the uh, glorified Ricky Morton role, fake in peril. 
Uh, Rue tagged himself in, even though he's getting on the floor and he's not, uh, even though uh, O'Neill's on the floor and not in the ring. Again, I'm going to just assume like a flying V rule and not say anything else about it. But usually, usually got to be in the ring for the tag to be legal. And then, and then we get a double pin spot. McMurphy and Keller clothesline each other and then and end up on top of each other with their shoulders down for a double pin. You don't see that every day. I did make a note here, like, why you can Keller tagging out? But he gets a couple of near falls on McMurphy. He's been beat up for a few minutes, and he makes no effort to leave the ring. Like, why are we not making an attempt to tag out? Doing too much. Trying to be the hero. Yep. And once we get that double pin, we get the final three pins within about 45 seconds of each other. LaRue pinning Green, Frazier pinning O'Neal, and then LaRue pinning Frazier. Oh, Logan Ethan LaRue is your goal survivor, 21 minutes and 35 seconds. Like I said, my personal preference is to spread out the elimination a bit more. Like, I don't mind, like, one spot where someone gets a pin and, like, they're not ready for the next guy to come in and they end up, and they end up catching one. I think that's realistic enough. But if there are too many eliminations being too quick, my personal opinion. That's really the only grip I got about the match. Yeah, I don't have much else about it. I, I, I knew a majority of the people in the match, and uh, I felt like this was, like, you know, this felt like the 21 minutes that it was. I wasn't super invested in it i like i um there's some stuff i really enjoyed but it just overall it was okay yeah i I think it served its purpose of really establishing the head of the class is like the top heel faction okay we then hyped the show that was scheduled for mark for march that ended up taking place and then we go to our main event for the independent wrestling championship the champion warhorse taking on the challenger ophidian we had a boar earlier. We've got a snake and a and a warhorse in this match. It's starting to look like a rumble at the wildlife refuge. <laughs> Can you tell well, who yeah. influences his commentary? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Bobby Heenan fan. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now this wound up being Warhorse's 19th title defense, 97 day against champion at this point. His third defense at Flying V, and. This is the, the one single match to go more than 10 minutes. Kind of have to get the main event. I'm, I'm okay with it. And they're, it's a fast-paced match right from the start. Like, this is 20 minutes of headlock and yeah, taking your time and building up the company. Like, they're going at a pretty quick pace throughout the match. Yeah, Fidian oh. is like, he's been next level for a while. Like, I'm, I'm not uh, shocked that, you know, he's an AEW now. Like, he's he's been pretty good for a while. So, I, this this match was excellent. I like both guys. Uh, this was, you know, the height of Warhorse being Warhorse with the belt. And uh, this was the hell of a main event. Oh, a fine cruiserweight match. Yeah. Yeah. This had been a relatively die free night up to this point. And so Warhorse does a double stomp off apron to the floor. It means something because we haven't seen a million dives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warhorse gets and carries a splash into a senton for a two count, trying to squash the snake. Ha ha ha. Uh, there's a lot of near fall from both guys in this matchup here. Uh, at one point, the crowd starts chaining fight forever, and somebody on commentary go, well, we have to be done by 1 a.m. Otherwise, the alarm's going to go off and the police are going to show up. But fight till 1 a.m., that's fine. By this uh, point, I've already received my envelope, so they can fight as long as they want to. <laughs> <laughs> Don't matter to me. The words of Magic Johnson, I ain't going to be here. <laughs> Uh, again, right off the Shikar playbook, Ophidian is trying to use his snake charming ability to hypnotize Warhorse. Warhorse and two metal to fall completely under. So they fight the spot for like a minute and a half before Ophidian finally just has back enough and hit the drop kick. Uh, in the end, it does end up being Warhorse retaining with the flying double stomp 21 minutes and 23 seconds. So, second longest match of the night by about 12 seconds. And typical, it's your typical Warhorse match with the, a little bit of comedy thrown in from, with the Ophidian. With the Ophidian snake charming stuff, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I um, we all have different flavors of wrestling that we enjoy. Uh, you know, for me, main event title match, I like you know I like to see uh, big people slapping meats. Uh, you know, but uh, given given the combatants, you know, this was this was as ad- as advertised. Uh, they each brought their collective goods, and uh, they made it count. They they justified being in the main event. I do want to ask you this question. Do you feel like a title match has to go on last or like in a case like this, or maybe that elimination match, maybe, maybe it drew the house a little bit more than the, the title match. Maybe that should have gone on last. Yeah. For me, I actually would have put on that elimination match last. Um, that's just my preference though. Um, yeah, I think you could have ended the first half of the show with the IWTV title match. Um, but I do understand uh, honoring the championship and the champion as well with that main event spot 
and you know it's not like it wasn't deserved uh warhorse was and still is uh incredibly popular on wrestling twitter and uh you know ophidian had been wrestling a long time so like he's he's gonna have uh you know a solid match at worst so it's not like the the main event position for them wasn't justified but my personal taste i would have put on uh the 10-man the tag or the 10-person tag in that main event spot, especially since it was a little bit more story-driven towards what was going to happen at the next show, which unfortunately never ended up happening due to COVID. But uh, yeah, I like to end my shows with a little bit of story. That's just my preference. Right on. Yeah, I, I laugh when people complain about, well, why is this match the main event? Well, it's really not the main event. The match that draws the hell from the main event, regardless of where they put on the card. But I mean, I, I grew up going to WWF show where they put the main event on before intermission. So mm-hmm. that if they did a screw job, they could announce the rematch for the following week and tell tickets like you were walking out the door, too. So yeah. I get not everybody else had that when they were growing up. So. Yeah. D- different philosophy. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think that putting the championship on, um, especially like an independent show, I don't think putting it on midway through the show is any kind of knock. But I do think at the time the bar was. I think the expectations were really high for Warhorse and Ophidian. So they, they wanted to make sure that uh, those two dudes had as much time as they needed to go out there and, and tear it down. There you go. Post-match, Ophidian and Warhorse start headbanging together, but they get attacked by the head of the class. And Logan Ethan LaRoe, he still owed a title shot. He's coming for Warhorse. And that's how we go off the air. Yeah, strong night for head of the class. Um, I don't know if Logan ever got that title shot or not. Um, I'll, I'll have to ask him. <laughs> um, if you give me about a minute and a half. I can look it up. Guys, that be independent recognized TV had at least at one point had a list of all the defenses. I think I can find it. Okay. While he's doing that, um, right now with, with, uh, how wrestling is coming back and everything like that, is there anybody like any promotions you're looking forward to working with for the first time? Or are you happy with where you're at now? And like, what are your, some of your favorite promotions that you're doing stuff with now? Um, I've worked with beyond just one or two times, but like kind of taking a survey, of the landscape and like seeing a lot of my peers wrestling there, like that's a place that's on my radar mm-hmm. and, uh, AIW is a place I would love to get back to. I know I was on their pre-show, uh, right before, uh, the world shut down as we know it mm-hmm. back in February, 2020. Um, that's a place that I would love to get back to and, um, properly be on one of their shows. I know, um, they they kind of have their shows bodied by the student the AIW students, so it's, it's hard to get in there. But um, that's definitely on my radar. Those are two of my goals of places I'd I'd want to work. Right. And on. was there a follow up question? Yeah, just like uh like of your like what are you, some of your favorite places that you are working right now that you like have like uh that maybe you have something going on like uh, you have a storyline going on or something like that what what should we watch if we're gonna try to find some more content what should we watch yeah right now it's camp leapfrog um that's where i'm probably given the most freedom to kind of do my own thing and um on a showcase what i can do a little bit uh they had the trail mixer not too long ago that should be up on iwtv um, and that was uh, like a big Royal Rumble style matchup that had a final four ending um, that turned into like a, a fatal four way. Okay. And that was a match I had like a big part in um, just laying out and kind of, um, I don't know, kind of, kind of running the ship for that one. So that's a match I'm pretty proud of. And I was in there for a really, very long time, which is <laughs> very unlike me. But <laughs> yeah, I can't believe for all great now is... Um, the place where I'm getting most of my work, everything else is kind of like a in and out one shot deal. Um, but yeah, I can't believe frog. And then, um, when flying view returns, which will be November 6th, okay. uh, that'll be, that should be a place where I'm at pretty consistently whenever they run shows and the LVAC let's hang out shows. Uh, I think those are over at, uh, not, not indie wrestling. Um, uh, smart Mark. I think those are all through SmartMark DVD. They're still a uh, still a, a hard copy uh, DVD company, and um, that's pretty much it. It's pretty much it. I, uh, I guess I'm I'm blessed in life to kind of work where I want to work and uh, leave the house when I want to leave the house <laughs> and, and make sure it counts. Right on. Okay, so. uh, Logan Leafton Larue did not get that title shot. I gotta talk to him because he might have to get his lawyers on the case. I think he's do a. I think he's do a. 
a contractual IWTV uh, cruiserweight title match. I know it's not a cruiserweight title, but it's the only people that ever get title matches or hold the actual title. So to me, until a heavyweight holds it, it's just a cruiserweight title. A very good cruiserweight title. And the, the, only, the only time he had a shot at that belt in history was on May 11th of 2018. Tracy Williams went the champion. It was a three-way match with Tracy Williams, Logan, and Jonathan Gresham. That's right. Yep. I, I do remember that. That was pretty good. I don't know. Uh, but, the only but time he had a shot. Logan against Alex Shelley would be really good. So Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. That would that would bring the house down. I'll have to bring it up to him. Get his lawyers on the case because I think he's got a I think he's got a case. And then uh, I don't know. I think you you've uh, stated your case for you know maybe Boar needs to get in that title hunt and uh, you know make that a heavyweight title. I don't even want that one. Like that, the belt's too small. I want an actual heavyweight championship. I think there's enough heavyweight talent out there that you can have your regular IWTV uh, flippy chain wrestling belt. Uh, and then you can have the one that's actually going to draw money and draw viewers because that's what heavyweight wrestling has always done and, and actually, uh, move the needle a bit. There, there's so many, there's so much heavyweight talent out there from Eric Royal to O'Shea, uh, big Dan champ. I can go on and on. There's enough heavyweight talent out there to, uh, to have a heavyweight title. So that's what I'd like to see. Right on. Hey, Jerry, I know you're listening. Let's get on that. Uh, I've probably just been uh, blackballed from all IWTV <laughs> TV shows. <laughs> no, I, I can think of the thing I've got on this show, and I and he hasn't tried to pull the plug on it. I think we're good. Yet it's coming. Watch probably, now. That I've, now that I've put that out in the universe. Probably. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, yeah, personally, if I were to if I were to create IWTV heavyweight champion, uh, I would I would strap up uh, Josh Bishop. Uh, man, the, the kid is on a run. He is he is out of this world. He is uh, a millionaire waiting to happen. Um, that's that's who I would back. Oh, well, that's that's fair. He's the intense a, icon. He's a scary dude uh, to to see live. I'll tell you what. I'm glad I'm friendly with him and his favorite podcaster yeah. because uh, I wouldn't want to be on his bad side. I just yeah, no thanks. So I'll I'm, take my chances, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got that uh, you, size you, you, and you, you, you know, you're trained. I, I feel like, okay, that makes sense for you. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> you, you, you might not like the bump, but you've got a better shot of surviving him than either butter or I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's academic, but uh, we always ask, is it a, uh, what do we give in the show, Jayhawk? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Gotta be a thumbs up. Yeah, I'm going thumbs up as well. What about you, Boar? Uh, I would go thumbs up. Um it's a quick watch. Like you guys pointed out, the match times are very friendly, very digestible. Um, and the matches that get a lot of time are the multi-person matchups, which makes sense because you have so many characters and um, the main event. So I think it all works out. The show was well laid out. And if I remember right, I think the show started at eight and I think we were done by like 10, 15. Like we were in and out of that building. So um if digestible shows are your jam this is one to check out yeah i enjoyed it all the way through so it's uh it's definitely a watch for me especially if you're looking for something that's you know before the pandemic get uh you know used to some of the talent that's out there now see them before they really started um blowing up more than they uh blowing up that like they are now you know there's there's a lot of talent there that uh we're still pretty early in there's those stages and definitely worth checking out all right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, do you have any plugs? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, as far as plugs, uh, check out Camp Leapfrog on IWTV, um, where the, the live shows that happen over on Facebook or the shows that get uh, uploaded onto Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Give Camp Leapfrog um, a chance. Um, and then uh, LVAC, the Let's Hang Out shows, check those out. And then uh, November 6th, Flying V returns to uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. Go ahead and check those guys out. Um, come to the show if you can. Uh, like I said, it's centrally located and it's a great environment. Um, they really know what they're doing and it's going to be a lot of great talent, a lot of great matchups and um, a digestible evening. You're not going to be there for four hours. So uh, come to the show and uh, hope to see everybody soon. Uh, what a- of now that show will not be on IWTV, but that's always subject to change. Go. At least it won't be live on IWTV. 
All right, maybe the envelope will be a little bit lighter that night then. (laughs) It's subject to change. Like AIW had one they put on the schedule, like after we recorded one night. Oh, the Thursday show cup and running. Wait, what? Yeah, Yeah, it was like when we record, usually stuff comes up after. So, like, it's very possible in the next couple of weeks it'll be added. So, Um, what what about your social social media stuff? Yeah, social media, go ahead and follow at Boar's War on Twitter and Instagram as well. I do not have a Facebook because nothing good happens on Facebook. <laughs> but that's where people do all their research about, you know, <laughs> vaccines and stuff. It's, it's all where all the information is. Must be it. <laughs> all the scientists telling me that the vaccine is safe, but this guy I went to high school with, they got a D in science class and telling me it's wrong. I don't know who to believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty convincing. All right, Jayhawk. Uh, what plugs you got, man? All right. You know, as always, follow me on Twitter at RefJayhawk, Instagram at Jayhawk1539, not at Jayhawk.1539. Whoever wants to pretend to be me, I have no fucking clue what you're thinking. I don't want to be me. And uh, you can follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash RefJayhawk. I got to actually start doing more on the Twitch. I haven't done anything in a while. Oh, and please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. And don't forget about our merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. And please check out our podcast friends, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, the Super Fantastic Podcast, If You Catch My Grift, and At Odds With Wrestling. Please check out our other friends, pwponderings.com, Big Starks Brand, Set Tab Photo, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, who their store is now open, so you can actually go and get delicious barbecue from them in person in Maslin, Ohio. Uh, I'll be going there next weekend. I can't wait. Uh, also kayfabe collectibles. I uh, love when they're at the AIW shows, they always have all kinds of cool stuff and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Charlie underscore butters. And you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at IWTV guide. Talk to you next week, everyone. Check out your dad with the swag on the floor. Mama going brag when I walk in the door. Y'all ain't never seen a gorilla in the mist. Walk the line so fine with a blindfold. Keep in mind though, hot dad riding in on a rhino. Sweet.